I'm happiest in the saddle. <laughs> fellow sportsman. I am an FBI agent. Great Scott. What do you say we cut the chit-chat a-hole? Dogs and cats living together. Masses Terrier. Come with me if you want to live. Hello and welcome to Retro Ramble. I'm Charlie McGee. I'm George McGee. And this time we are going back to 1994 to take a look back at the action classic that is Speed! Starring Keanu Reeves, Dennis Hopper, Sandra Bullock, Jeff Bridges, sorry, Jeff Daniels. I always get that, mm -hmm. uh, that, that mistake. So George, what can people expect from this episode? Lots of dramatic tension. Yes, um, a Michael Bay, Holland's answer to Michael Bay, uh, Jan <laughs> de Bont. Can't wait to hear about him. What's he done for us lately? All of that sort of jazz. Yeah. We're gonna be, as per usual, we're gonna dive into a bit of production chat. What made this film possible? I don't know how long that's gonna be, but kind of what was going on in the industry, how this film came to be. Obviously, we will talk about later on in the episode in our feature, Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda. We'll look at the other actors who are considered. We've got um, some other features that we do. But essentially, we you know we look at the good and bad. We we remember this film, and we've watched it again recently. And the idea is to inspire you to go back and check it out again if you haven't recently. Um, so before we go any further, a quick word from George uh, on some general housekeeping, just what to expect to manage your expectations of a typical retro ramble episode. Yes. Yeah, so just a quick disclaimer: we are film lovers, not film professionals. So uh, we aim to entertain, but also give you guys a bit of uh, trivia. Yeah, there's some facts you may have not known about these films. George does have uh, qualifications in I, film. I, but do, I do have a degree in film media. And has worked on film. So there you go. But we, no, we both work in media. We love films, a lot of history, but you need to be warned. Yes. Yeah, we are going to go into these films in detail. That means there will be spoilers throughout. We're, we're two grown-up guys, so we're going to use some mature language. Speak for, speak for yourself, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also, you know, because we're two immature guys there's probably going to be some bad impressions as well yeah just one just just one or two but you know these films are they're like an old friend we uh, we reminisce we take the piss don't be offended if you think we are we do love these films uh, that's why we're covering them so any fun that we poke at them comes with the greatest amount of respect and I don't know what else is there to say George we haven't you know we've got to keep our conversation at a certain speed otherwise this podcast will explode explode uh, I, I think Let's just get into it. Yeah, so Speed 1994, enjoy the show. All right, gentlemen, what we have here are 13 passengers in an express elevator. Bomb's already taken out cable. Bomber wants $3 million or he blows the emergency brakes. He can strike anywhere at any time. Why are they messing with me? Do they think I'm doing this for fun? For L.A. Cop Jack Traven, the game began when someone put the city of Los Angeles to the ultimate test. A quiz, hotshot. There's a bomb on the bus. Once the bus goes 50 miles an hour, the bomb is armed. If it drops below 50, it blows up. What do you do? What do you do? Now, he's the only solution. We just got a ransom demand from your terrorist. Says he's read the city bus. Where's Jack? Where do you think? Naomi, get off! Get off. It's much better. Keanu Reeves. Dennis Hopper. Sandra Bullock. Pop quiz. You have a hair trigger aimed at your head. What do you do? What do you do? Speed. Get ready for rush hour. So, George, speed uh, from Jeanne de Bont. I'm sorry, I just I watched this film. I was just like, this is like a Michael Bay film. So, how did we get this film? How the hell did we get here? So, it actually starts with uh, the screenwriter uh, Graham Yost. So, this was a sort of a case of the '90s and the in the early '90s of these you know these these scripts that catch everyone's imagination and sort of do the rounds. So. But there's actually quite a few connections to some previous episodes uh, that we've we've done. So, uh, Graham Yost was inspired by a film called Runaway Train, which is about a 
runaway train. Right. Um, so it's not just a clever title. No, but that was directed by a guy called Andrei Konchalovsky. I recognize that who name. Who directed a little, uh, little gem of a film called Tango and Cash, or at least he directed some of Tango and Cash. Yeah. But enough about that film. Check out our other Tango and Cash podcast. Hey, Stallone fans. Um, <laughs> so uh, Yost decided it would have been better if there'd been a bomb on board uh, the train. So he decided he was inspired to write a, a story about a bus that couldn't stop, but it had a bomb on it. And it was forced to travel at 20 miles an hour to prevent an actual explosion. But then when he uh, was telling a friend about it, a friend was like, that's a terrible idea. Increase it to 50 miles an hour. Yeah, I could just see some producer going, that doesn't really sound like much needs of to, a threat. Needs to be faster. Okay, 30 uh, miles an hour. Um, and Yost had initially uh, named the film as a result minimum speed but then <laughs> quickly realized that minimum would add negative connotations so simply renamed it to speed the film we all know and love not the bus that couldn't slow down no which is a more uh, more apt title so he finished the script took the i think he took to, to paramount pictures first they said oh we really like this it's it seems really like you know it's like a new diehard who can we get to direct i know john mctiernan um john mctiernan was like pass it <laughs> seems a bit familiar to diehard rennie harlan and uh, interestingly quentin tarantino were offered the chance to direct but both turned it down uh, though tarantino late uh, named it as one of his favorite films of of that sort of time that era yeah. of that era but it was McTiernan actually um, whilst he declined he suggested Jan de Bont who is, was his director of photography for Die Hard and Hunt for Red October so that's where he comes from right? and that's why this film feels very Die Hard-esque yeah but what else has he done uh, so Jan de Bont I mean Jan de Bont uh, he so this was his I think his directorial debut mm-hmm. but he went on he did uh, Twister and he did uh, one of the Tomb Raider films. He hasn't done a huge amount, I think, really. Uh, I think this is his big, yeah, big hit. This is what he's known for. Fair enough. And initially, the studio's choice. So it ended up, I think it started at Paramount. But then he, I think Paramount said, oh, we're not too sure about it. So he ended up taking it to Fox. And uh, Fox suggested the choice of uh, composer was Michael Kamen, who did the soundtrack for Die Hard, License to Kill, Roadhouse, and many others. Okay, so there's um, a bit of Spanish guitar going on. Yeah, um, but Yander Bond wanted uh, Mark Mancini. Um, who, who ended up doing yeah, I think we said it's you know, quite an iconic score yeah and it's, it's a great score it really adds to the tension yeah release tense chase music so interestingly just before pr- uh, principal photography began Yanderbont uh, brought in a guy called Joss Whedon to spice up the script interesting um, and according to Yost he was, he's been very honest about this he said Joss Whedon wrote about 98% of the dialogue we were very much in sync it's just I didn't write the dialogue as well as he did so whilst Yost is the only credited screenwriter he is quite happy to say yeah, give credit where yeah. it's due yeah. um, but obviously the story's his so now we get to casting. We'll cover, obviously, other actors that were considered for the role yes. in our feature of Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda later on. Originally, uh, Keanu Reeves turned down the script because he felt it was too similar to Die Hard. <laughs> um, but Keanu, you weren't in Die Hard. Shut up, man. I, I don't think I'm a John McClane type. Yeah. And it wasn't until Joss Whedon was brought on to rework the script and he actually had um, Keanu Reeves' input to work on the dialogue uh, to make him... He went from being a maverick hotshot to the polite guy trying to not get anyone killed and made him more um, more less one-linery and more of a, a sort of a believable person yeah. trying to do the right thing. So that's quite interesting. Jan de Bont insisted Keanu Reeves got a sensible haircut. So if you think this around the same time as Point Break, so we'd have had his lovely, beautiful, yeah. long flowing locks. So you need to look like a SWAT guy. So he shaved off all of his hair, like proper, like buzz cut, yeah. shorter than you see in the film. And, and the studio were horrified. Cause like, <laughs> he's a heartthrob, what have you done? Um, and they, beautiful hair. And they actually threatened to postpone the film to allow Reeves to grow his hair back. But yeah. I think he managed to, uh, to persuade them. Look, look, I'm still hot. And they're like, yeah, okay, you are. <laughs> 
Well, uh, Debonk cast Reeves uh, because in his words he felt the actor was vulnerable on screen, he's not threatening to men because he's not that bulky and he looks great to women. Right, okay. And I'd say he's quite bulky, he's quite tall. <laughs> if you not watched uh, Point Break, you know, Whoa. he's a big guy. Well, uh, yeah, apparently he did a fair bit of working out prior to this, like bulking up. And he also did, interestingly, he did around 90% of his own stunts. Now, I can believe that. I mean, obviously, seeing what he what he's still able to do in John Wick, uh, that does not surprise well, me. Well, and uh, you and I have, you know, it's one of our games we like to play, uh, trying to spot the obvious stuntman. Yeah. Uh, and there's very little of this. I don't think, you know, it, it's obviously it's very well edited, but as you say, he's in a lot of those shots. There's some far away, I think, shots of when he's driving the Jag, but there's also loads of shots with stunt drivers, stunt drivers. <laughs> where he is clearly driving, uh, you know, yeah. at high speed. So, and uh, Obviously, we uh, touched on this in our Demolition Man episode, but this stars uh, Sandra Bullock. This was, you know, whilst Demolition Man was her first big Hollywood role, I would say this is her breakout role. Yeah, this is what she's known for. But though it's uh, no surprise, that, and again, we'll get on in Coulda, Woulda, Shoulda, there was lots of other actresses considered for the role. But whilst filming, I don't know if I mentioned this in the Demolition Man episode, but Rob Schneider and uh, <laughs> Sandra Bullock became good friends, and she was telling him about the script. She was like, he's like, oh, that bus movie's not going to be, a, that's going to be a terrible idea. You shouldn't do that. And uh, what did she learn from that? Don't listen to Rob Schneider. You shouldn't listen to your friend, Rob Schneider. He's an idiot. <laughs> um, a lovable one. <laughs> a lovable one. So actually, interestingly, Jan de Bont came up with the opening sequence idea. So Yost's original script was all set on the bus. And right. Paramount's feedback was, it's too much of it's on a bus. Yeah. <laughs> this bus movie, there's too much bus. Yeah. So it's um, too confined. We need to establish. So things, so yeah. the start, the start and ending, so the elevator sequence and the subway sequence were added on when Jan de Bont came on board. Mm -hmm. So Jan de Bont came up with the elevator sequence whilst he was working on Die Hard because obviously that features lots of elevators, <laughs> screwdrivers uh, holding elevator doors open. Yeah. That's and, a little nod. Uh, and there was uh, when they were filming Die Hard, he actually got stuck on top of one of the lifts and had to climb out the lift and into another one wow um so he got inspired by that and then they wrote around uh, the whole uh, sequence around that so apparently for that opening scene the elevator shaft was a fully functioning four elevators and five stories high which is so that's quite an impressive set yeah and and also it's um this this is obviously pre uh 9-11 so you know it's like playing a home homegrown bomber uh i don't think you you would have made that film anywhere around after 2001 well that's it i think uh, there's a, an interesting line when sandra bullock says uh why is this guy doing this did we bomb his country or something yeah. like that which is a very interesting line as it you shows say you where things were back yeah then. Um, so, and obviously, I think we talked about this in our True Romance episode, even though he was a massively established director, when we watched Speed, this was one of our first introductions to Dennis Hopper. Yeah, and he was having a bit, I say, he was getting a lot of work around the sort of mid-90s. He was your sort of, almost your go-to bad guy. And what a bad guy. I mean, I didn't, watching this film again, I just felt like he was, obviously with a severed thumb, like, what, what a Bond villain he would make. Like, the attitude his motivations um, he's, he's menacing but he's also very funny yeah but he, interestingly better than a lot of Bond villains the, the um, original script actually had the Jeff Daniels role as he was going to the twist was that Harry was going to be the mad bomber all along so yeah, using a voice thing on the phone really. yeah um, and originally um, this is a free could have should have they considered Ed Harris to play the role of Harry which Stand is down, which is a lot more believable because Harris can do good he can do bad as well sinister yeah. but when Jeff Daniels signed on they're like this guy can't be a bad guy look he's at so him. nice <laughs> Harry Dunn Harry Dunn yeah. this is around the same time he's doing Dumb and Dumber yeah so yeah they decided to uh, separate off into a, uh, a different character and Graham Yost said I wasn't counting on the brilliance of casting Dennis Hopper. He just brought so much to it. You didn't need a backstory. It's all him. It just works. Yeah, you can imagine there's a, there's probably quite a lot ad-libbed, uh, but it, yeah, it, it works brilliantly. Mm. And yeah, he has such a presence. 
So like uh, our previous episode we were chatting about in, in Aliens, you know, the, the crew getting, uh, the Marines getting uh, military training. But yes, I'm guessing they must have spent some time with SWAT. Yep, so both uh, Keanu Reeves and Jeff Daniels trained with real SWAT for that uh, opening sequence. And yeah, that, the opening sequence is, it's, uh, it's uh, well, it's like the rest of this film. It's uh, a masterclass intention. And turned up to 11. Yeah, it's, uh, I love the fact that your first encounter with Harry and Jack um, is just their police car launching over the... Shows how they're maverick renegades. Yeah, and then they just, they suit up very quickly and then it's like, hut, 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 yeah. hut, hut. the SWAT guys don't do that anymore. That was just yeah. in the 80s maybe, films. Maybe it's just an 80s thing. Yeah. Maybe it's, maybe it's just a Blues Brothers thing. <laughs> <laughs> but um, being the, well, it's not really, uh, we, we talk about our love of corporate yuppies, but that's how this, this film opens. It's Save the Yuppies. Yeah, it is. Save the poor yuppies in, and a lot of character actors, especially the guy Bob, which button did you press? Yeah. He's been in a lot and I think even recently I recognised that the, guy. the guy with the, the, he- the thick eyebrows. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, that's it. I mean, that's very much, you know, you see the, some of that dialogue, you like, that's Joss Whedon. It's very quippy, isn't it? Yeah, and it's. Very, I think it's very, it's, they build it, it's very Joss Whedon in that we build the tension and then here's a one-liner to relieve some tension yeah. so we can build it again. Um, also, uh, this is going to be a bit of a, a, a buzzword throughout the episode. Lots of talk of access panels. <laughs> <laughs> this is an express elevator, gentlemen. The only way in or out is through access panels. Uh, the nearest access panel's on the 32nd floor in the lobby. I can't get onto the bus right now, Harry. It's kind of in motion. Hold on. Yes. Access panel. In the floor. Underneath you, mate. Maybe some bad impressions of a certain person referring to where one is. Yeah, yeah, but they get into the lift shaft through access panels. Yeah, but who's who's telling him about this? It's Miles Dyson, Joe Mord. <laughs> Sorry, uh, but he's he's brilliant in this. I yeah. really like him. He's you know he's he's, he's in it a lot. As he's, well. he's in it a lot. He's he's confident. He's you know he's quippy. He's it's not the sort of angry captain. He trusts Jack Traven and no. why wouldn't you and a lot of the things he's saying he is um, the economic exposition and yeah. it's, but it's delivered like you can tell he spent some time with SWAT because uh, sorry with SWAT because it's all about the priorities it's like we've got to get those people out of here the bomber's not here we don't know this it's yeah. all it's all very it's like reminding you um, and Reeves is reacting to it and yeah. you can tell that there's a very strong bond between you know he's looking yeah. out for his team and that them as a unit are very tight even the guy with the weird accent and the mustache oh yeah I'm going to drop a clip in of that guy's accent going all uh, Irish or Scottish it's all, all, all over the place and uh, our first uh, appearance uh, from Dennis Hopper the uh, great line don't fuck with daddy uh, He's having a lot of fun on this film. Yeah, I mean, th- this, I, I don't know, uh, even though it's, you know, completely ridiculous, th- this, I think this, uh, that opening scene makes me still slightly nervous of getting stuck in a lift. It's very tense. Yeah. Because uh, getting stuck in a lift is one thing, but getting stuck in a lift that might suddenly drop. Well, it's the fact that he's blow the, the emergency brakes are in. It's, it's very clever, you know, yeah. it shows obviously J- Jan de Bont's uh, knowledge of the inner workings, the mechanisms of, uh, of an elevator. <laughs> um, obviously at Fox towers yeah so for any of our american listeners we keep talking about lifts we are referring to elevators um but yeah and it's for me it, it's it's so tense when you know they're getting all of the guys out and it's just dropping and it starts off that it's too high and then it's too low and then you've got the woman who's refusing to leave the woman who just freezes and you know you see that's very much revealing of uh keanu Reed, jack Traven or Traven I'm not sure uh, Traven Traven yeah so revealing his type of character and the risks he will do and his problem solving capabilities so, whilst chewing gum yeah chewing gum looking like a typical SWAT guy yeah, yeah. we're in- introduced to pop quiz hotshot yes so yeah I mean we haven't touched on it but like what are your first memories of this film because me it was about I remember our, our sister and a, and a mate and a mate of mine went to see this brided and then did the typical thing that we did back then was told us everything that yeah. happened without kind of ruining it you know and it was all about oh the stakes just keep on getting raised and it's we didn't even know the words to explain why it was just so tense well I uh, my memories of this I was 
desperate to see this at the cinema and obviously it was a 15 and I was 11 at the time and you know that time you're at that age where you're you're pushing trying to get you know chancing it at the cinema I might get in well it's I like might... when you're trying to get into a nightclub when you're 16 it's yeah. like should we try it and your entire night rests on whether yeah. or not you can get past the door and I remember um, dad was really up for seeing it like, yeah. and I remember trying to go to see it with dad and they were like oh no how old's your son and they wouldn't, wouldn't let me in and we ended up having to go see something else probably I think Lion King or something um, <laughs> which oh, is <laughs> tense for a whole different number of reasons um, but yeah I remember that because it had you know it created so much buzz it was very much a movie of the moment you know everyone was talking about how tense it was how brilliant you know it was a you know a lightning in a bottle sort of zeitgeist movie that summer and I remember I eventually did get to see it obviously on uh, on VHS um, probably like you know opening weekend reserved it at Gojo video <laughs> um, but I I totally forgot I used to have the poster on, on my wall of Keanu Reeves face with a bus on fire yeah and a bus leaping 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 on, leaping on fire spoiler <laughs> <laughs> don't remember the bus being on fire no no. everything was on fire in the poster it made it more exciting yeah this were like was that sort of first cool big action film that I remember you know as I was approaching my, my teenage years yeah and obviously I, I mean I made I made the joke about you know is this this feels so much like a Michael Bay film but I'm talking about the fact that it's set in California the fact that there's that music there's that tense building there's those set pieces there's explosions there's gunplay well it's also it's, it is a high concept script you know that, that story idea of that excuse the pun that elevator pitch of there's a bomb on a bus and if it goes under 50 miles an hour it's going to explode that's that's your that's yeah. the hook so who's going to star in this yeah, yeah. you can uh, see it being and pitched. effectively it is you know die hard on a bus as well yeah <laughs> and i kind of felt that going back to it this time that um that there was there was a part of me that was thinking I, I was obsessed with this film and I love this film but you know I didn't understand the term when I was growing up like pop popcorn movie mm. but I would say that this very much is this because when you get to the end of it you're like wow that really just was about a bus <laughs> with a bomb on it there's not a lot to but it as but as you, it's an enjoying ride well as you're saying about um, our sister Sophia it had you know it had everything it had Keanu Reeves for the girls so it had, hot. had Sandra Bullock for the, guys. for the guys you know it had comedy yeah. and it had action it had you know it was you know a, had Dennis Hopper for people who remember him from yeah. earlier on in his career. So yeah, so, so, so it was a big crowd pleaser. Fun for all the family. <laughs> but, but let's enough of talking about the bus. We have to get to that that moment. So there's the first bus explosion. So Ken Reeves knows everybody at the coffee shop. It's a man about town. He's a man about town. He knows that friendly bus driver. Even though he doesn't get the bus, he has the banter with the bus driver. Yeah, whose bus then explodes. Yeah, right in front of him on yeah. time. And it's a it's a good explosion. Yeah, it's a great shot. The Physical. way he. He walks out the coffee shop and the camera pans around him and his car yeah. and just lingers on the bus and then suddenly kablooey. Yeah, it's a great physical explosion. Oh, it's, it's, it's a great explosion. But I was watching this with my wife um, <laughs> and she said, you know, poking holes in believability. She's like, would you answer that phone that randomly starts ringing next to ex the exploding bus? Would that be your, the least of your worries? To You're like, come on, you didn't live in the 90s. Pay phones, if one was ringing... You it, had to answer it. <laughs> because it might be a bomber. It might be, it might be a bad it bomber. Was, or it might just need, be needed to drive the plot along. That, that is true. And uh, this will come up again later on in the show. We didn't have mobile phones. Though they, what a wonderful all, time. There was one mobile phone. The, the one mobile phone. They had to pass Car around. Phones. Car phones. That's why you had a mobular cellular telephone. Indeed. So Dennis Hopper, the Mad Bomber, outlines the, the rules of the game. You know, the bus is going to blow up out once it reaches 50. It has to stay above 50. So Jack has to get on the bus. Yeah. And uh, that's not in the rules, but it's it's allowed. And I think that's when we get sort of get because if I remember rightly, the first scene that it is kind of tense, sort of slow music, but it's when he starts chasing the bus in LA traffic well, that's that we get the tense chase music because he's trying to get to it before it reaches fifty. Yeah, and uh, obviously he has to commandeer a car. 
Yeah, and the only way, hey man, Toon man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I love. There's a, there's quite a few what I'd say very much jokes of the time going on in terms of uh, his his personalized play and his love of his car. Nice, nice to see a British car in an American film. Yeah, um, even if it gets its door ripped off, <laughs> you, you your car insured. Yeah, why? <laughs> <laughs> but you also see some um, some pretty neat driving skills, some cool stunts. He does the slipstream. Yeah, I remember me and my my boy mates as to yeah. Do you remember when he does the slipstream where he builds up the speed and then. And, and that's also explained to us by Tom Cruise in Days of Thunder. Yeah. Um, and it's not like you're ever going to put it to use in real life, uh, <laughs> but it's still a cool thing. Apparently, those highway scenes with all the cars were apparently a nightmare to film because all the cars had to return to their starting mark. Can you imagine when you're filming on a freeway? Yeah, because you can tell, as I was saying before, mm. you know, he does a lot of his own stunts, but you can tell that what they actually did was the, it was a normal day of traffic and they just had three lanes. So every, yeah. all the other cars... Um, that are going on is on usual, on usual yeah. traffic, but they've got their three lanes, and then obviously all of those are stunt drivers. Stunt drivers. So yeah, Jack gets on the bus, and it's full of lots of stereotypes. <laughs> you, you, you've got uh, obviously we you know we're introduced to before he gets on the bus. You get uh, Sandra Bullock's character Annie. You get um, who I'm calling. I don't know. I can't remember. I think she's called Helen, but I'm calling her the crazy cat lady. Yeah. I've got to get out of here. Who's from Donnie Darko? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the, the, I sometimes Fear I, and love. And sometimes I question your dedication to Sparkle Motion. Yeah. <laughs> but she's great. Um, you've got the Mexican gangbanger. You've also got the Mexican or Indian builder. Yeah. Uh, Ortiz. Yeah, Ortiz. Yeah, there's there's a lot of stereotypes you, you, You've on got the bus. guy from Ferris Bueller's as, as the, the wacky tourist. Yeah, and what I that's the point I made about, you know, we talked about the, how, you know, the omnipresence of smartphones. Mm. When this is all going on, he's trying to get on the bus, there's only one guy with a camera who's filming yeah. and it's because he's a tourist whereas if this was happening today everyone would have Every their phones out recording yeah. you know his attempt to get on and that, that also would involve the plot you know with the which we'll get to about how the fact that the meat they think it's the media and he's got a camera on the bus but like today it would just be like it could be so many other people cameras you know the oh exactly you know th there'd be no way to stop you know oh get the press out of here yeah but apparently the that that role of the tourist um sorry the the actor's name from cameron from uh, first beauty is called alan ruck he was originally written as an abrasive lawyer and he gets his comeuppance in an unexpected death scene but Whedon rewrote it as sympathetic but dull-witted tourist and to be fair he does get some great laughs uh, yeah. throughout the film once again nice bit of comic relief yeah to help, uh, yeah, to help build the tension yeah, yeah. To, to ease the tension baby so Jack's on the bus so Jack's on the bus and the driver well, he, he Sam. I think we're getting ready for another reference to an access panel. Access panel. So, yeah, Sam, the bus driver, gets gets shot by uh, the gang banner. Uh, by gang the gang banner. Originally, yeah, in the script, I think it was he was going to have a heart attack. But I think, it, yeah, again, it adds that tension of him getting shot, and then uh, so Sandra Bullock has to take over the driving, and he gets. This is just a, a bit of a joke between Charlie and I, but we always laugh at the line. <laughs> This panel. Um, when Some great acting. When Jack's uh, looking for the b -b -b bomb. Did you say bomb? Bomb. But yeah, there's. I mean, there's some great dialogue. Uh, you know, we talked about uh, Stevens, the, the tourist, when he's um, he's dictating to to Harry on the phone when Keanu Reeves is looking at. Oh darn! Oh darn! <laughs> yeah, and uh, a very diehard-esque line of enough C four to put a hole in the earth. Yeah. There's so many great uh, gags in this. Apparently, there's. I was reading about the you know the the pram full of cans. Yeah. Uh, apparently, in the the test screening, there was just an audible gasp because people did think it was a. Save my baby. It was, and it, it's very. It's it's very misdirectional because you she just, doesn't look like the type of person she who would have a pram full of cans. Exactly, <laughs> she doesn't look like, and it's usually a shopping trolley, yeah. and she doesn't look that homeless. So yeah, that's a great um, twist. It's it's you know building that tension, but then there's the comic relief. Um, so the tension's getting higher. The cat lady's getting crazier. Yeah, <laughs> gotta get off this bus. I'm gonna get, the, get a hold of yourself. She needs a slap. Like um, an airplane type slap. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, I love the bit where 
where Jack has to tell the mad bomber that they have to get the driver off because he's been shot. Jack, now you haven't been shooting the passengers, have you? Yeah, some good some good uh, comedy there. Um, Cat Lady's getting crazier, so they're trying to get Sam off the bus. Mm. What about the rest of us? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, God wants that woman to yeah. die. Yeah, you kind of like, oh well. And that, once again, it's another kind of set piece. You know, it's the fact that this is raising the stakes even further. No, he can see everything that damn media chop Get them out of here. Get them out of here. So, yes, they lose the crazy cat lady. She goes under the bus and they get onto the I-105 freeway, which actually in real life had been, uh, was a freeway that had been completed and wasn't open to the public. So that's why they were able to use, work with that freeway. And getting back to the dodgy accent, let's have a quick explanation of what the problem is on that freeway. So, I love that guy. I don't know what happens to his accent. He probably is American, but it goes all weird. But enough about that. We're coming to... I know, so we've got the first sort of uh, the tight corner to get on to this freeway. Yeah. Uh, which is a nice bit of, um, you know, you know the whole idea. Everyone get Physics, on the side. mechanics. Yeah, get on the side of the bus. Uh, I really did not think we were going to make that mm. turn. And then we come to, I think, my only criticism of this film which is the bus jump. I mean, obviously the, the bus jump, yeah, is a, is the money shot for the film. It, as I say, it was on the poster and it wasn't actually in the, uh, wasn't in the original script. Uh, Debon came up with it when he was driving around and noticed actually there was a section of the, uh, the freeway that was missing. Yeah, but I still, th- I don't know, just looking back, it's the way it launches. It's the way it takes off and you think about maybe if there's a gap, there'll if, be... If they'd made, made the, the gap a bit smaller, because is, is it like 60 foot? Something like that, yeah. But which, I mean, or which is if, 20 meters. Yeah, or if, the, if one of the cop cars gets ahead and gives them something to launch off and said, you know, we've put a trailer there. Yeah. You know, something like oh, that. Yeah. We've put a we've, we've managed, built the ramp. Let's we, launch it. Let's launch off this ramp. Um, but yeah, it's just when you watch it and there's just this like leap of, uh, it's like, what happened? What? Yeah. Because, suspend, you know, suspend disbelief for one second. I mean, to, to be fair, it's, um, <laughs> I, lo- I love that bit where they find out the, the track's missing and uh, Matt goes, you're fired, everyone's fired. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the, the editing, the music um, really sell it in, even though the, the jump, as you say, is completely ridiculous. And, and the realistic. fact that the bus is still completely roadworthy after jumping. It well, wobbles around a bit. Yeah. Uh, but that, that's when I'm like, I'm, when, we were, when I was re-watching this uh, recently, I'm like, man, I miss the 90s. <laughs> we should start a podcast. <laughs> Um, but no, I was like, this is such a Michael Bay film. Just that, that entire scene, it was like, because you've got the, the light that he likes to shoot in. It's very, you know, smoggy, orange. Well, it's of, that L.A. haze, isn't yeah, it? It gives us such lovely sunsets. Um, so, yeah, it, but it just feels so much like a Michael, like Bayhem. Yeah. You know, it's very much well, what's going to happen next. Well, apparently uh, 10 buses were used in the making of the film. So they built a special bus for the bus jump scene. None of them were harmed. Um, so, yeah, the bus was modified so it could reach 70 miles an hour, had shock absorbers the driver's seat was moved back so in case anything went wrong and the driver wasn't ejected from the bus so yeah even though it's a ridiculous stunt they obviously put a a lot of uh, thought into it but they are it is it's a bold it's a bold stunt and it really builds intention and this film is full of great stunts mm. you know we we always bang on about this on our podcast but physical physical yeah. stunts physical effects no no cgi um much more believable yeah then they make the uh, the decision, or Keanu makes the, the, the great decision to do circles around the airport. Yeah, smart uh, guy, Jack. Smart, um, but in early drafts of the script, it was actually supposed to be circling around the Dodgers stadium um, because obviously stadiums, it's you know just going around in circles, but yeah. they couldn't get the rights to film at the stadium, so they changed it to the airport. Yeah. But yeah, the, again, you've got some, some more great lines from the tourists. Uh, we're at the airport. I've already been to the airport. <laughs> And then we do see some good stunts from Keanu because uh, of when oh, him go. going underneath the bus because he obviously did that. I don't know when he's actually under the bus. I think it's a stunt man, but you do see him clearly. You, go, you see, yeah, there's a shot through the front of the bus, and you see him going underneath, and so. you can tell the, that they're going at speed. Yeah, and you can tell by the way that minimum good, speed that, that would be a good name <laughs> for for a movie. But you can see by the way that his face moves that it hasn't been sped up at all. Yeah, you know, you so he's it's not like he's like doing the old James Bond trick of nobody move. And 
and we'll speed everything up. <laughs> What's it called? Cranking. Uh, Cranking, yeah. Speed, yeah. speed ramping. Speed ramping, yeah. So there's, there's none of that going on. See, like, that is a bold move from him. So he's, he, he actually did go under the bus, which is a cool stunt. So he goes to defuse the, the, the bus. Gives himself uh, another challenge. Gives himself another challenge by taking... Uh, uh, this. Oh, sorry, we failed to mention the bit by going into the airport, he loses one of the tyres. Yeah. And I'm amazed how long they keep managed to drive around with one tyre out. Yeah, because you start... How many tyres... How many wheels does that bus have? Exactly. Um, but yeah, he manages to impale... Uh, well, secure himself and then impale a screwdriver through the fuel tank. So now we have added tension. He also discovers the cheap gold watch, which then, unfortunately, sends Harry on a chase. Lovely, to... lovely Harry. We, uh, we The lovable character. Harry, um, though, uh, I do question, would they really let a man with, you know, who'd been shot in a leg, who was clearly injured, on, on a mission? Yeah. Uh, but he needs to get his guy. And yeah, unfortunately, the lovely Harry goes kablooey. Yeah. And yeah, so Harry dies, but it's Hopper who calls. That's how, who he finds out from. Yes. And uh, which uh, requires some very emotional acting from Keanu. Um, and I've got a great uh, quote here from uh, Jan de Bonham. I think had to push Keanu Reeves to react emotionally in, in, in more than he was willing to do in scenes because Keanu is has one kind of kind of laid back stoner modes, doesn't he? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think there was a few times where Jan de Bonham was like, "No, we need to see a bit more emotional range." Well, yeah, because I think that's what works well in the recent John Wick films. In that, you know, it's all about you know he's a grieving man, but he's not showing like he's a very stoic. But that's why it works well oh. in John Wick because he's lost everything, even his dog. Yeah. Um, but he's still very, very fixed, very strong. Well, yeah, that's it. here's the line. Apparently, according to DeBont, Reeves wasn't used to playing a role requiring such extreme reactions. Yeah, we need you to be <laughs> pathetic. It's like, so what am I going to do? Like, shout? But yeah, that's, you know, it is, it is a great moment where he realizes that he's, you know, he's lost Harry and he loses it on the bus. So we're, we're at the we're at the airport. A um, bit of uh, another sort of link to Die Hard. So they decide to they manage to get everyone off the bus they loop the video the bus drives into a plane being towed a plane full of C4 <laughs> full, full of explosive full of gasoline explosive material and fireworks yeah and there's that other thing because it's never really explained that that plane is empty you're just made to assume you assume that, it is um, but on the side of that plane it's Pacific Courier Freight and that's the, what's on the truck in Die Hard exactly Joe exactly right so, I did not know that. So, shared universe. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, that is a, an in-joke by the production designer because, obviously, DeBont worked on Die Hard. So I, I felt, you know, especially at this part of the film, that Sandra Bullock's showing her acting chops. She's carrying and showing her legs. Yeah, she's uh, her great legs. Um, so she's, but she's carrying it along. She's, you know, she's showing that she's more than a damsel in distress. <laughs> she's carrying Keanu's dram dramatic weight as well. Yeah, she's giving him something to to work off. Also, what adds to the tension throughout this film is people screaming at each other to hurry the fuck up. Yeah, there's a lot of that. It's like, come on, come on, oh, come, come on, on, come on, come on, come on. gotta get these people off this bus, Jack. Um, so they're off the bus. The, the bus has exploded, but the fun keeps. The fun hasn't stopped. So Hopper wants his money. Yeah, he's still. He's still. He doesn't realise he's. They've uh, done a switcheroo. So yeah, I, I just remember. It's one of those things about the, a film like this of tension. Um, when you go back to it, and I think there's a certain element of Air Force One is that because you know how the film ends. The, fir the first time, the end of this film works perfectly. So yeah. The first time you see Speed, it's like, what's going to happen? How are they going to get him? But when you know how it's going to fall out, I just feel like once they get off the bus, it, kind I of loses it, feels, momentum. It, it just feels a bit baggy at the end you know it's like because because you know how it's going to pan out but that's why I go back to my original point of how for this this film's real impact was the first time you see it as a popcorn movie you know yeah because because uh, of that tension yeah and then yeah. so you once the bus has exploded and they're off and they're everyone's safe it's about they've got to catch the bad guy and because you know they're obviously going to catch him it's all about how and once you know how as I say, it loses a bit of its uh, 
loses a bit of its feel, but more great acting from um, from, from Hopper. Hopper and believable stakes because you would put Keanu Reeves against Dennis Hopper. You're like, well, that's going to be a very short fight. Yeah. It's like, okay, so how do we how do we involve Sandra Bullock? <laughs> yeah, that sort of thing. And let's have it on top of a train. Yeah. Um, but apparently, when the, um, the the film ran out of money before the subway uh, sh- stuff was was uh, shot, so when it was first previewed for an audience, uh, they were just shown animated storyboards. But the obviously by the test. Uh, reactions from the audiences the studio found more money um, <laughs> we need bigger explosions so yeah I mean there's um, again they, they used a real part of the, the Los Angeles metro line um, obviously for the stuff when Hopper and Reeves on top of the train was done on a on, in a studio but yeah again some more great lines from Hopper poor people are crazy Jack I'm eccentric <laughs> <laughs> yeah and also the way that he's interacting with Sandra Bullock I like that it's like it is the crazy not stupid my money my money until yeah until he realizes his money he goes full psycho <laughs> yeah and he's got a cool mp5 a nice chrome you kitted out yeah it's uh, serious bling though it's uh, like a, it's it's like a mod on a modern day like playstation game it's like would you on g on gta would you've you unlocked like, you've unlocked a chrome mp5 machine gun and whilst uh, they did get, you know, Joss Whedon to rework the script, they still have a very James Bond-esque last line. What happened to him? Roger pops up on the subway. He lost his head, Sandra. Yeah, because even when he, t- he said, yeah, well, I'm taller. Yeah. yeah so, yeah, they, they, they're all, they've obviously left in some yeah. one-liners. Yeah. But the one point I've made is, is anything in LA finished? The track, the subway track's not finished. The freeway's not finished. I think that's very much them saying, come on, you know, we've, we've pushed the limit. It's, there's been so much tension it's like build 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 so, so how's it gonna end is he just gonna stop the train nah nah, nah. <laughs> nah, nah. let's let's have it so you know that the, the train can't be stopped um, the bus can be stopped the train can't be stopped, stopped. it's yeah. all about speed yeah <laughs> but you know they happily ever after and the film just I, I forgot like the film just ends with them on the street just passionately embracing and that yeah. that's it well yeah because nobody knew what was to come what the amazing sequel that we were going to be spoiled with can I shock you yeah I haven't seen the second one have you no I, uh, no, I think I've, I've seen bits of it because it, it was one of those films it was on Sky when we had Sky yeah and it was like we, it got panned so much the fact it didn't have Keanu Reeves and we you know we didn't and the really... fact it's about a cruise liner that can't go more than 20 miles an hour I think. yeah about a cruise liner that's all, all it's going to do it's like where's the tension um, but yeah I think I've watched bits of it but I've never watched that film like start to finish yeah I think, I think, I think when it was on Sky I like watched the bit where it crashes and I was like meh yeah you know so Oh, yeah, it's apparently yeah, it's so panned. Uh, I I just I've never been uh, tempted. Even when I was looking to, um, obviously I, I I thought I owned this on DVD, but I or may have sold it off or lost it. So I think I've got your copy on DVD. Uh, <laughs> son of a. But I uh, end up just getting a digital copy. But then when I was searching for it, it was like, would you like to get the double pack? He was like, no, thank you. <laughs> it's cheaper. No, no, still no, thank you. I'll pay more money. Um, I just feel a bit sorry for Sandra Bullock in terms of I think. That that stilted her career for a while. I mean, obviously, she's back in our on our screens with uh, yeah. Bird Box. She's proven, you know, well, the, yeah, you know gravity, obviously. Yeah, well, that's it. You know, you think she's had an amazing career. Yeah. Uh, and, in terms of and, who she's worked with in the film, and, she's been part. And real range as well. You know, she's, you know, still doing, you know, mixing those those dramatic comedies with, yeah, as you say, like Bird Box and Gravity, you know. So she's done some, uh, some great stuff. Um, but speaking of actors... Should we uh, should we release what what's that? It's Jeff. Jeff and Selena here, George. Your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. So, coulda, woulda, shoulda is when, uh, basically, George, uh, due to his knowledge, gives us a bit of a rundown on other actors that were considered but did not get the part. So, uh, being a big Hollywood-esque, die-hard-esque film, um, this obviously, the studio went Did the usual rounds, did it? uh, Yeah, of pulling out a who's who who's who's male uh, in Hollywood basically um, <laughs> but uh, apparently the people that were offered uh, the role of Jack uh, and turn it down we have Stephen Baldwin not even <laughs> not even Billy Baldwin not even Alec Baldwin they, they reached out to Stephen Baldwin <laughs> they just kept on going through the roller decks Baldwin Baldwin get me a Baldwin just which one answers the phone first <laughs> um, offered it to Tom Cruise 
Interesting. Uh, apparently Tom Hanks was, was discussed, I, which I can't see. Yeah, I think he's obviously, he would have, would have been at the juncture in his career. He's like, look, guys, I'm not doing action. Yeah, I'm, I'm not, not doing that type of action. Yeah. And interestingly, because of the success of White Men Can't Jump, both Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrelson were, were offered it. But then they would go on to do the very similar and... Passenger 57. Uh, no, less inferior Money Train. God, yeah, I remember when we watched that. And that was, we I think... We watched that on a plane, didn't we? we? we it was when we were going to the US. States, yeah. yeah. And I remember us both feeling shortchanged by the end of it. Pun intended. <laughs> so, yeah, they, they were the, sort of the, the main people that uh, were offered it uh, before Keanu Reeves. Apparently, loads of actresses were offered, were considered for the role of Annie. Um, apparently, even Graham Yost's first pick, uh, the writer's first pick, was Ellen DeGeneres. I'm Ellen. <laughs> <laughs> Wisecracking her way to yeah. oblivion. Yeah, and he was just like, I don't know, I just thought she would have been really good at the time. And apparently, a pre-stardom Halle Berry uh, turned down the role, because at the time, uh, the role of Annie was going to be, I think, a paramedic, so that's why she was really good at driving. Right. But she, uh, Halle Berry said... Uh, it wouldn't have done for me what it did for Sandra Bullock. I would have just been the black bus driver. Yeah. <laughs> so, okay. Um, and interestingly, uh, for the role of uh, Howard Payne, the mad bomber, Jack and uh, Bobby De Niro were both considered. Because there is a certain about certain element of Jack. Yeah. Uh, Jack, in some of his responses, it's like, you know, especially the line about, you can't be going shooting people now. It's very Joker-esque. Yeah, well, that's it. It's You, you, can, you can definitely see... Uh, Nicholson and the De Niro why are they messing with me yeah. <laughs> yeah. why don't they understand yeah and yeah you could and there are elements of the you know in the later films of say the Dark Knight where there's there's a bomb on two boats and you've got Batman yeah. trying to deal with the Joker there's you could see you could see this being like say a, a comic of Batman yeah. that the, the Joker has actually put a bomb on a bus because it's exactly yeah. the type of there's thing that, that playfulness yeah. yeah and it's recent and enough. chaos yeah and Jack would have been you know just just as big a deal mm. then. So that leads us to uh, our new recurring feature. Suspicious spin-offs. So yeah, I'm I'm kind of obviously uh, we've talked about the, uh, the 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 terrible sequel that happened on a cruise ship, and uh, that obviously didn't work. But uh, so I'm not really sure if we could have any spin-offs with with Jack Traven. But I think I would like to see more of of Mac, you know, Joe Morton's character. Yeah. Um, because as we said, he's you know he's great fun. Just just see uh, more of the the SWAT team at work. Yeah, I'd like. To, I think I think there's obviously there's the obvious uh, prequel. So, like, how did Dennis Hopper lose, lose his thumb? Lose his thumb. <laughs> and I'd like the idea of um, Mac or Jack Traven being involved in that, you know, something like that. Um, there's also, I think, uh, which I'm just going to throw at you now, can you think of what would have been a better sequel? than cruise control well uh, I mean obviously there's the if we think of Die Hard on a dot 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 you've had Boat in uh, Under Siege but you had Under Siege 2 which is on a train yeah um, so that could have worked but I think that just would have been too much of a let's just do the diehard thing of where can we can we take that same situation and put it in another environment I like the idea of the golf buggy <laughs> of them just flipping it so it's a train that's not allowed to go any speed at all and so what it creates is just a backlog of really angry <laughs> commuters we could do it in the southwest of England people will love it we're shutting down the tube for 50 minutes <laughs> I mean uh, pandemonium uh, ensues obviously the one thing that I haven't touched on is the uh, best spin-off that does actually exist is the Father Ted episode where Dougal is on the milk float that can't go over five miles an hour. <laughs> there you have it. Um, yeah. For you guys, if, if anyone hasn't seen it, please. Father Ted, one yeah, of the funniest yeah, comedies Search ever. out the, the Father Ted uh, speed. I think it's called Speed 3. Yeah, the, the tribute. But yes, it's brilliant, especially with the sort of get out the way, get out the way. And there's like, oh no, Dougal still has left boxes on the road. Get out out the way <laughs> at five miles an hour yeah 
So yes, that, I think for me that is my favourite spin-off um, for full full speed. Yeah. So the the only other thing to suggest is there's that speech at the beginning where Harry's saying to him, "Look, we'll get you so far before it gets you killed." It's like Harry, why are you so down? You look like such a nice guy. Like as you say, Harry and M M Mac McMahon. Mac but, McMahon. But it sounds like he's called Mac McMac. <laughs> Mac McMac. Um, yeah. So there could have been um, you know exploits of the SWAT team. Um, but yeah, I think you know we, we've talked about this. We, the reason we've uh, we've picked this film, it's you know it's it's its 25th anniversary this year, um, but also we are going to be graced with the release of John Wick Three is is coming out very soon, and you know I think it has you know this film has you know we've we've covered Point Break before, but this has done obviously wonders for Keanu Reeves' career in Hollywood. Yeah, and, and it's he's. I mean, we talked about it a lot in Point Break. It's like man crush. You know, I mean, I would watch him in, in anything and apart from Dracula. Um, <laughs> well, but, I see. But, but no, I just, I think he's he's a great presence um, and he's a great, you know, protagonist and, to have. And he knows his range. Yeah, and he excels in it. And I think that's why Kel Surprise, that George and I love John Wick. And that was such a pleasant surprise, the first one that came out. And yeah, who knows what they've done. I think, I think it's also quite clever what they've done with those films and I think he's had a big part of it and in terms of the stunts that he's doing in his 50s it's uh, well the man never as you say he, he's a vampire he's a vampire <laughs> he actually is a vampire um, so yeah I don't know if there's anything else you want to say about this it was fun to go back and watch it as I say yeah, it's, it's very much a, a typical uh, 90s blockbuster um, you know a mid 90s blockbuster you know as you say I think there is diminishing returns once as you say, you know the outcome, but because of it, the tension, you know but, where the tension's going to go. Yeah, it's, it's brilliantly done. Um, it, it does, it does carry you along. Yeah. I, I think watching it again, going back, even though you know how it pans out, mm. for me, you you you're carried along by all of the tension until the yeah. the closing act. I mean, I don't think I would revisit because of those tension and plot uh, machinations I don't think I'd probably watch it as often as say I'd watch something like um, you know other films around similar times so like The Rock you know other Brookheimer type stuff which has a bit more sort of repeat viewings yeah I think that's that's my only feeling about yeah. this film is that it's not as rewatchable as some of the other Michael Bay films which is not this is obviously a Jean de Bond film yeah. Um, but yeah no it's been great to review and we hope you uh, have enjoyed our comments on this film and if you haven't watched it in a while you know it's worth it's worth a revisit yeah definitely so um as, as usual um it would uh if you enjoy these podcasts can you uh it'd be great if you can leave us a uh, review uh on itunes or you know share with your friends you know that's important just uh, spread the word uh, and thank you very much to everybody who is sharing it and we're getting some very nice reviews um some very nice comments on all of the social medias and we are everywhere you can listen to us uh via our blog uh, you don't need any software or apps for that. You can just yeah. hit play on the on YouTube. I don't know why you'd want to do it, but we are on we, YouTube. We're getting hundreds of people listening to it, and we don't do it. Just automatically goes to YouTube, so it's there. It's on mm. uh, obviously on Spotify, it's on Stitcher, wherever you get your podcast. Yeah, so it's out there. So we will see you next time. Next time we will be back with another film another film we've got some great films lined up uh, at this moment in time I can't remember what they are but some real real gigs but I think we probably will be diving back in, after doing the 90s we'll probably dive back into, into the, the into the 80s into the lovely wonderful oh, 80s ooh, I think I remembered what it is yeah do you want to tell me it is Kurt Russell Oh, is it Big Trouble in Little China? It is. Oh, excellent. Right, so there you go. We uh, This is a live show. <laughs> I think we've just demonstrated that. But yeah, but, so yeah, looking forward to doing that. So we'll be back next time with Big Trouble in Little China. Thank you for listening. Yeah, I've been Charlie McGee. I've been George McGee. And we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. saw this in a movie about a bus that had to speed around the city, keeping its speed over 50. And if its speed dropped, it would explode. I think it was called The Bus That Couldn't Slow Down.